0: You're listening to a sermon from crccoolerman.org. The word that came to me was just to share on strength. And I thought, oh, you know, that's a bit kind of broad, you know, and it's a bit predictable and whatever. But I do want to cover a couple of specific things about uh, finding strength or having strength, positioning for strength. I, I, I guess when I said, you know, I'm kind of, it's not quite like this. It never is when you're explaining a conversation with the Lord, it's never quite. This easy is it? But you know, this is how I can explain it. Is I like sort of saying, well, what what aspect of strength, what focus of strength do I need to share on? Um, and the guys who were there this morning will be glad to know it's a different message to this morning. You might have picked that up already. But um, anyway, so uh, and what I what what came to mind was where the psalmist sometimes talks about, "You are my fortress, you are my strength, you are my strong tower." And often in that context, I'm not saying always or even a majority of times, but I remember those kinds of verses in the context of the psalmist having a bit of a complaint, you know? Like, all my enemies seem to prosper better than me. No one's ever thought that, have they? You know? All the wicked, they seem to be doing better. Like, what's what's this about, Lord? You know? And so the psalmist is having a bit of a talk to the Lord about how unfair things seem and all that sort of thing, and how he can't quite work it all out like he should be able to. But he usually gets halfway through that sort of complaint and then he finishes off with, But Lord, you are faithful. Lord, you are my fortress. Often he says that. You're my fortress. You're my strong tower. You're my. And he uses different words, but that fortress was the word that was sort of coming to me as the one that I felt this is about. So there's strength for, you know, just getting the muscles to do what God calls you to do, there's strength to persevere in times when there's real difficulty, like you got to run the marathon, you get the stitch, and you got to keep running, you know what I mean? But I just felt like this was about, like a fortress, and a fortress, we think of a fortress as a place of defence, but it actually really isn't exactly, well, it isn't just a place of defence. If you're in a fortress, so do you know? to know what a fort is, or a fortress, that's so like a secure place, but it's got, it's got to have holes. Because there's got to be holes or there's got to be a tower up on the wall of the fort because you've got to see what the enemy's doing. So it is it is a place of defence, the strength of the wall, but it's also a place of attack, isn't it? Because if you attack from that safe place, if you're on the offensive from that safe place, then you can actually you know, hold ground but then ultimately you can take ground. Now again, I'm picturing a fort like... In Narendra, down one of the back streets, there's this sandstone fort that the, the scouts use, and you ain't taking that anywhere, right? But, but a fort also can be something that moves forward. So it can be like, you know, they dig a hole and they have, you know, a, a place where you can secure your position, and you're looking out and you're seeing the enemy coming, and so you're able to defend yourself. But then what you'll do is you'll move forward and you'll dig some new holes so that you can position yourself in a place of fortress so that now you can actually still defend the position but you're still you're taking position you're taking position but you're able to defend the ground that you take does that make sense so when i'm talking about strength i don't want us to think that we're cowering into some you know sandstone building and we're just going to be here forever and everyone who comes are going to shoot them but we'll just be happy here in our little fortress because i think that's not i mean there's a place for that kind of picture but it's not the picture that I want to talk into this afternoon. I want to talk into a picture that is a, a group of people in a community, in a region or whatever. And what we're doing is God's given us ground to take in our own life, in our own call and responding to his call. But then together corporately, you know, uh, making a difference in our community. Changing the culture of our community and the communities that we represent. Because I understand we represent more than one community here. But what you're doing is you're moving forward, you're taking ground, but then you're defending that ground. You're moving forward, taking ground and defending that ground. Now again, to complicate it all a little bit is the idea that he's already won the battle, hasn't he? He's already taken the ground. So what we're learning to do is we're learning to know the authority that we have To know that we're actually entitled to this ground. So we're taking ground that in a sense is our entitlement. We're not trying to win ground from someone else. But what we're doing is we're learning to take the ground that we are entitled to. We're learning to step forward into what's already given to us. But we have to rise up. We have to stand up. We have to know what we're called to do. We have to know that God is with us in it. And we're taking ground. Is that right? So there's four things I want to share that I think... Um, help us to get that, um, come to that place, maybe in our, in our thinking, maybe just in the position of our heart or in our attitude, not a physical place but something in, internally that if we realise these things, if we take a hold of these things, they become you know, the, the basis upon which we can move forward, we can overcome obstacles but also we can, you know, we can take ground, we can move forward. So we can defend, but we can also overcome obstacles. Does that make sense? So I guess that's what I'm, where I'm heading um, this afternoon. Um, alrighty, so the first passage I want to look at um, is one I've been, I've been doing a bit of a series in Narendra and I said I'm not sharing on what I shared this morning, but one of the first parts of this series was built around Psalm 16 and it fits really well on this first point that I want to bring out Today, as well, and I'll just pick two verses because it's such a great psalm, I'll get bogged down if I try to pick a whole passage of it. So, if you saw my notes here, you'll see where I've crossed off verses 7 to 11. You'll be pleased about it. And I've just put verse 8 and verse 11 because I don't want to, you know, kind of get too sidetracked. This is the first of four points, and I want to do it reasonably um, uh, succinctly if I can. So, this is talking about so, four things that bring strength, and the first one is his presence. So these all start with P. His presence. Forget the his and just put P. Presence. Is that, is that all right? Do you need me? No. It's okay. Cool. So presence is what I'm talking about now. Again, I don't need to take too long on this because there is so many references in Scripture where his presence is a basis for strength. You know, so Joshua was told, you know, to um, uh, to go in, you know, or whatever to. Uh, because I will be with you always. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, go into all the world, preach the gospel, lay hands upon the sick, cast out the oppression of the enemy, etc. Preach the the good news, make disciples, all the things. And he says, and lo, I am with you always. The the capacity, the strength is very much built around his presence. So um, in this uh, Psalm 16, verse 8, it says this, and again, You can read the whole psalm later. Hey, I love Jan sharing today. And I love, I just love it when I hear, I know we do all go through seasons where you've got to be really just committed to your devotional time, you know? But isn't it great when it's just got life in it and when it just flows? Is that right? And so it was just, it's exciting to hear that. And um, that's really encouraging and contagious um, for us. But, so, so, if you want to go and read this whole chapter afterwards, and I think you'll be encouraged by it. But, but verse 8 says this, it says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for He is right beside me. That's real a verse about strength, isn't it? I know He's always with me. So you've got to settle that. You've got to get that into your heart. I know He's always with me. And whether we feel it or not, um, you know, you've got to be honest with your feelings. Lord, I don't feel you. But, I know you're with me because you promised you'd be with me. So you're a man, you know, you're a person, not a man, but you're a person of your word, and your word says that you will be with me. And so I'm trusting that you're with me even when I don't feel it. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. You know, when I was at boarding school, I used to play a bit of rugby, a bit of rugby league. Now, you guys would be really proud of me. My team's playing this afternoon right now as we speak. Okay? So I've got this little invisible earphone in the back here just with the scores going, going away. So um, if I get distracted for a minute, it's just because the other team scored, all right? So no, it's not true. I would, I would tell you what, I'd be absolutely hopeless if that was happening. I go to visit people sometimes and you know I enjoy visiting people going into the home and some people leave the telly running. I go to Serbia and that, they all do that in Serbia. They've all got the TV going in the background and they're big TVs, right? They don't have a lot. They, I've told you before, I think when I shared this missions, uh, your missions lunch last time, you know, they don't have very much but they've got a decent TV and uh, often they've got, um, just got it running you know, just for colour or I don't know, something's flicking away. So I'm sitting there having, having the meal and I just can't help it. I've got to try not to look at the telly because I'm so easily distracted. Is anyone else like me or is it just my problem? Yeah, it's really great to see some of the girls put their hands up because I thought it might have been a man problem, but um, it's, it looks like it's across, um, you know, but anyway, so I'm there sometimes and it's, it's there, so anyway, don't know how I got distracted onto that. So I'm not listening to the footy score, but I used to play footy when I was in school and I, um, there were a couple of times where I was maybe captain of the team, not maybe, I was captain of the team. And uh, so we're lining up on the side, you know, and I can still picture some of these really frosty mornings. We're all in our shorts, you know, and ready to go on, you know, first game for the knockout. And the other team turns up from the other town, wherever, and they're lining up across, you know, probably usually across the other side, and we're going to run on and we're going to sort of be ready to toss the coin in the middle. And, I, and I'm looking at these guys, and particularly in early to mid-high school, you're looking over and you're looking at the other team, you're sussing them out. And when you saw that half the other team had hairy legs and no one on your team had hairy legs, boys, the boys were pretty nervous, like we were a bit shaky, you know, like whatever. So you're looking at the opposition team and you're, you're checking them out, maybe looking for a few bandages or something like that that you can sort of aim for, but you're, you're just kind of watching and, um, and so you're looking, you're just trying to work the other team out and um, often they were... I was only a little fella, so you'd be looking at the big guys and looking at their hairy legs, and some of them, you know, you're thinking, wow, this is going to be a tough game. But i tell you what I learned to do. I was the captain. I'm standing in the front of the row of our team. What I learned to do is I learned to look back along our team, and I learned to look and see, you know, hey, I know he's pretty fast, you know, that guy there. And I know that guy there, he's pretty skillful, you know? And I'd be looking at our team. We usually had a reasonably competitive team. So you're, you're looking along and I'm just looking at my guys. And I'm saying, you know what? I kind of feel a bit better now. I don't mind about the hairy legs over there because look at my guys. Like A couple of them got hairy legs too, you know, even if I haven't. So, but, but what I'm looking at is I'm looking at, you know, who's on my side? Who's with me? And I don't know about you, but that is very real to me when I think about that even now, about who's with you, who's on your side, and so even in ministry, like it's something that I draw a lot of strength from. Just knowing who's, you know, who's on the team, who is, um, you know, who's standing there, you know, whatever with us. And so that's the whole thing, isn't it? About church. It's the whole thing about leadership teams, you know, and doing ministry as a team. It's the whole thing about living in community or whatever. Is you know, it's knowing that you're not on your own. And so when we do that and we bring it to the dimension of knowing that God is always with us and he is beside me, i tell you what, it makes a difference. It makes a difference to everything that happens. It makes a difference to your day-to-day journey. So I like to bring things right down to -to day-to-day. Because we can say, oh, I'm so strong with the power of God's strength, you know, whatever, and we can learn to quote the scriptures. But when it comes down to -to day-to-day stuff, and we're facing the battles and the reality of every day, It's really important that we learn to come back to saying, I know that God is with me. And I know he's never... One of the things I like to add is I know he's never caught by surprise. I know that he's never... You know, he's always got a way through. And it doesn't matter that I can't see it. In fact, sometimes it's reassuring. Get me me on this. I'll try and explain it simply. But actually, I get reassured by the fact that he can see a way through when I can't. You know, because... If it was all dependent upon me seeing my way through, that's a limit, isn't it? That's a limiting factor. But if it's like, I don't need to understand it. I just need to know that he understands it. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I just need to know that he will work it out. Now, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but one of the things, a bit of a silly thing, probably that uh, illustrates that for me too is, um, uh, there's just two things. One is the road runner, and one is, Jackie Chan and I might have shared this with you guys before and certainly Dom and Cindy have probably heard it over the years. But you know, when when I'm watching a movie with Jackie Chan or I'm watching one of those episodes of Roadrunner, does anyone know which one I'm talking about? Put yeah. Put your hand up if you like Roadrunner. Put your hand up if you like Jackie Chan, you know it. Alright, let's go with Roadrunner then, it's just, just going to have the majority there. So when Roadrunner, he's, he's running and the coyote's after him, right? And he goes down a dead-end road, and the canyon like is metres, metres high, probably miles high, but let's say metres, because you don't like me exaggerating, and he's down this place and there's no way he's going to get out, absolutely no way. Am I going to worry? Am I thinking this is the last episode? Am I thinking? Are you thinking it's the last episode? Definitely not. Why? Because we know the intent of the script writer, don't we? I know that actually the script writer who's writing this, he's going to provide a way to get out. Now, I know that's like, you know, he can do anything, can't he? Because like, he can use pencil and paper and do whatever he likes. But, you know, but in re- if we shift that to reality, I know the script writer, I know that he's got a way out. So I'm sitting there and I'm, I can't work it out. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Is this, this, is this the predicted last episode of Roadrunner? I look on the, quickly look on the TV uh, guide, and no, he's on tomorrow, so it must be all right. So I know it's not the last episode. So what you're doing is, you're, you're kind of positioning your thinking to say, I don't understand this, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I don't understand it, it's going to be okay. There is a way through, there is a strategy, there is a plan, there is something that's going to happen. Now again, I know it seems corny using the, the, the illustration of uh, um, of Roadrunner, but I know the heart of God and I know that God can see ways out that I can't see. I know that he can identify a plot to my life and my story and my journey that is bigger than what I can actually write for myself. And I love that. I think that's great. It adds a dimension of adventure, don't you reckon, to our life? Because what if everything was totally predictable? Some people think, oh, you know, God, show me, show me what you've got ahead for me. Now, I believe he does prepare us and he does show us stuff. But do you really want to see... You know, I warn you, you know, do you really want to see five years ahead? Do you really want to know it all? I mean, one, it would become boring. Two, it would probably scare the heck out of you because, you know, you think, well, you haven't done it gradually. You haven't had the preparation and the positioning in your thinking and in your own life and your own journey and your experiences to be ready for what you might have to face in five years' time. And so, you know, what would happen is Probably if you knew it, you'd change it. You'd mess it all up or something, wouldn't you? Because you, you just something would happen. Something would kick in. So I guess I'm encouraging you. Don't ask him to show you the next five years because he's doing you a favour not showing you that, all right? Because he loves you too much to show you that. But he, he does give you a glimpse, doesn't he, of the season. He does prepare you in some way. And so all of that, I guess, to say that when you know he's with you, and I'm not sure about, oh, his, his presence, although that's enough, but when I know that he's, he's there and he's unfolding his purpose and he's leading me through and that he's got a script for my life and for my journey. I happen to be one of those people that, um, you know, look, you can argue with me and convince me it's no problem. It just doesn't seem to matter too much to me in my journey. So this, I hope I'm not, you know, making you think less of me by saying this. But I actually am a person that believes that God doesn't actually know what I'm going to do in three years' time exactly. He knows all the options and he's got a plan for me, but he's given me the free will. And so at this point, he's wondering, wonder what he's going to do, you know? But he won't be caught by surprise because whatever I choose and whatever I do, it'll have a plan for me. Now, I kind of feel that that's a way that's substantiated by scripture. I feel that that makes sense to me in terms of God, you know, having to give me a free will. And so therefore, he doesn't know necessarily conclusively exactly what I'm going to do, you know, in three years time. But he knows all the options, and he knows what I, you know, he knows my heart enough, and he'll be journeying with me and ready to allow me to respond. So if I mess it up, then he'll have a plan then to bring it back. He'll have a plan to teach me what he wants to teach me through the experiences that I've gone through. Alrighty, I better keep keep rolling along. So sorry, um, you know, I don't know. Some people say he already knows every single thing. Um, I guess it's an ongoing debate, isn't it, about the sovereignty of God and, you know, whatever. Does God know every, absolutely everything already, every option, every whatever? Well, I actually kind of tend to feel like he's never caught by surprise, but he's journeying with me and all the rest of it's too big for me to understand how that can happen, you know. But um, there's a, some scriptures in the Old Testament that talk about, you know, when man began to really go off the rail and do all sorts of things, it said God repented that he'd made man. Now, it wasn't sort of saying that he... He said, oh, drat, I've made a mistake. You know, It's just that his heart was disappointed, that man didn't go the way that he could have went, but that's okay, God's got a plan. Do you know what I mean? So I kind of feel like in there somewhere is this room for, we're on a journey, we know where we're going, but what we do you know, um, specifically, he's waiting to see what happens. But please don't build the credibility of this whole message based upon whether you believe that with me or not. So number, verse 8 was, That's where we started. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. He's right beside me. Um, One one translation, one particular translation uses uses these words. I think it's the old, uh, maybe the new King James or whatever. I'm not sure. But one of the older translations has, um, I have set the Lord always before me. So here I've said, um, I know the Lord is always with me. But one of them is, I have set the Lord always before me. Have you you found it? Have you? Yeah, good on you. What's that one? NIV, is it? So, yeah. And so what it does is it's like I'm locking that in. I'm locking in that he's always with me. I'm going to live my life with this incredible sense. I'm, I'm setting myself to always see that he is there. He's before me. He's with me. You know what I mean? Something I'm locking in. Something that I'm setting into my picture. I'm setting it into my perspective on my life and my journey. All right, no wonder my heart is glad um, and I rejoice. That's verse 9. I've got to skip that or I'll get distracted. Verse 11, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasure of living with you forever. Isn't that beautiful? That's the New Living Translation. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. He's with me. You know, he's got an agenda, he's got a purpose. Uh, he's got a plan. He's unfolding it. There's never a dead end. You know, there's always a way through. The second thing, and it relates a little bit to where I finished that first point, is that um, another source of strength is having purpose. Now, the, the, verse, the text I want to use here is Job chapter 6, verse 11 on its own. So I'm in the New Living Translation as well. And verse 11 on its own says this it says, But I don't have the strength to endure. I have nothing to live for. What he's saying is I've got at this moment I've got no strength because I've got no purpose. I think one of the translations even says that. So just to get it in context and I won't take too long on this point, but verses 8 to 11 says oh that I might have oh that I might have my request that God would grant my desire. I wish he would crush me. I wish he would reach out his hand and kill me. At least I can take comfort in this. Despite the pain, I have not denied the words of the Holy One. So he's saying, you know, he's in a bit of a low, isn't he? saying, you know what, I just wish my life was over. But then he comes to a point where he says, well, you know what, one thing I can, be, I can find comfort in is that I've not denied his words. I've held on to his words. So I'm feeling in a place of despair, but I'm holding on to his words. I don't have the strength to endure because I have nothing to live for. Do I have the strength of a stone? Is my body made of bronze? No, I am utterly helpless without any chance of success. So now, I don't want to get too much into what was happening in Job's life at this time. I really mainly want us to see the association between purpose and strength. Purpose and strength. You see, if we're just drifting in our life, then we will find ourselves at times without the strength to press, to press through. But if we are living with purpose, if we are living with hope, if we're living with a sense of destiny, if we're living with this, um, this settled idea that, that God is with me, as we've said already, and that God is leading me somewhere, and that God is outworking something in my life, then what will, what will come out of that is the strength that we need to keep going. So strength flows out of purpose. Um, Again, I said I'd be quick on this one. I think it's pretty obvious in that point. In 1 Corinthians 9, 25 and 26, run to win. That's the end of the last verse. Athletes do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. You know what shadow boxing is? It's sort of just boxing in the air, isn't it? Like whatever. So there's no target. There's no strategy. It's just boxing into the air, which can be fun at times, but you know, um, it's not something that will keep you going. And so run to win. You know, run with purpose. Athletes do it for a temporary reward. and I, I still admire athletes. When I see an athlete standing on a podium at an Olympic Games, you know, I have admiration for that athlete because I know there's been an incredible journey. That just didn't happen by chance, did it? Aren't they lucky? Aren't they lucky to win the prize? No, they've actually devoted probably most of their life to whatever was needed to... To to learn the skills and to perfect the timing of whatever race they're in, if it's a swimmer, it's fractions of a second, isn't it? To 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 improve, to be able to get on that podium and then overcoming any injuries and all sorts of things, very few make it. So I've got respect for an athlete. But if they will do it for a prize that is only, you know, earthly, how much more are we able to run with purpose and with destiny? And it's not about our purpose, but it's making the effort, it's taking the time to position ourselves to understand something, to ask God, Lord, what what have you got for me? Lord, what do you want? Where are you leading me? Where are you taking me? What are your priorities for my life? Because when you do, you'll have the strength to make the sacrifices that you need to make. Um, We've got a few young people here today, and sometimes you hear, you don't hear this a lot, So much, but over the years, you'd hear it at different seasons, you know, that oh, young people, they're just not willing to make the sacrifices. Young people, they just want this and that, and they just want the comfort life, you know what I mean? And I I know why people say that. At times, that's what it looks like. But you know what I find? I find if young people, and the young guys up the back can correct me if you want to. Just sing out and say that's a load of rubbish or whatever and we'll have a good discussion together. It'll be great fun and make it interesting this afternoon. But what I, what I think is young people, if they're given a reason, if they're given something to go after, if they're given a purpose, if they're given a reason why it's worth making the sacrifice for, I don't think there's anyone who would, uh, who would make more sacrifices or be willing to make more sacrifices than our younger generation. You know, our younger generation, they're not stuck in a rut. They're not whatever. Now, they've got pressures on them, you know, expectations from people to, well, you're smart, you've got to be a doctor. You know, you're whatever. And that's nothing wrong with that. But, but they've got to find what is God's purpose? What has God got for me? And to lay down their life for that purpose, because that'll be the best way to live. It's not just, oh, well, that's the right thing to do, it's actually the best thing to do. If, we, if God's got a plan for us and we lay down our life for that and we make the sacrifices that are required to, to pursue that thing in our life, then I tell you what, it's not just the right thing, it's the best thing. Because God knows what's best for us. He knows what he made us for. And so I reckon young people today, if they're, just, uh, if they're given a hand to understand, you know, what is this about? What are the priorities? Let's lock in you know, a purpose for our life. Let's lock in what really has value in our life. And when that happens, I reckon, you know, young people, I see many of them will make the sacrifices that they need to make. They'll lay down what they need to lay down to be able to pursue the thing that they need. So strength comes from just knowing that God is with me and walking with me. To, to the Strength um, strength comes from having a purpose, you know, so that we're willing to run um, and, and, and to accomplish that purpose. See when, it, see, when Paul's saying run to win, he's not saying run to beat everybody else. He's not he's not even wanting us to be competitive with each other. He's just saying run to get the prize. You know, your prize Steve is different to your prize Beck, but you know you run for your prize. You run for your prize. That's what he's saying, not run to beat each other and be the winner, but run to win the prize, run to do what you're meant to be doing. Put some energy into doing discovering and then doing what you're meant to be doing. And so that's pretty exciting, hey? The third one, and actually it's interesting because this one sort of has been referred to a little bit already today, both in something that Dom shared with us and also in um, Jan's uh, presentation over communion. So again, won't need to spend long on it, but it's probably a surprise one in here. When I was preparing this and I thought, yeah, what makes us strong in the context that I'm thinking about? Well, knowing that God, you know, he's there with us and he's got a whatever, the purpose thing. And then I thought, the other thing that makes us strong is problems. I was looking for a P word, so it's probably a nicer way to put it, but I needed a P word to make it fit today. So I put problems. Because you know problems make you strong, don't they? Whatever, some some sort of uh, challenge or resistance or struggle or whatever... And I just did a few of the things you said, Jan. I'm thinking, yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Um, So I don't need to repeat it. Jan put it well. But, you know, as as we wrestle, as we struggle, as we seek to know and to understand, as we seek to find the way through, you know, whatever, then what happens is there's a struggling that takes place. There's a pressing in that takes place. Now... As you can see, I don't spend a lot of time at the gym, but we do I have one next door. So I sometimes look through the window and see what they're doing. And so what I know is that the strength comes from pressing up against something, doesn't it? Like, you know, you can get strong, I guess, jogging on the spot if you jog for long enough. It's going to happen quicker if you're pressing against something, if you're running into the wind, if you're running uphill, if you're on a bike and you've got to push the bike as well, or if you get some weights and you carry the weights with you, or if you get into the gym and you actually lift the weights and you lift them enough times that they begin to hurt, then what happens is you're actually getting stronger. Is that right? I don't know the science of it, but it seems to be right. You I know, went out woodcutting the other day and the, guys, the young blokes grabbed the chainsaws so I had to get the block splitter. That didn't seem fair at all, did it? But anyway, so I'm thinking, well, I'll show them up. I can keep chipping, you know, breaking blocks of wood all day and chipping away, getting red in the face as I do pretty easily. So, you know, um, but I'm chipping away and chipping away. And the next day I thought, I don't feel too bad. And the day after, I felt bad. I felt shocking. Well, I felt good. But, you know, my muscles were all sore. And I thought, it took two days to catch up with me. But boy, did it catch up with me. You know what I mean? Because the muscles, And I thought, well, I'm not sick. It's just muscles getting stronger. Can it, does it show or not? Like, does it show? So, yeah, that's right. So, so anyway, so problems. And so a couple of quick scriptures. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 10. Paul says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. He was kind of almost saying, I wasn't going to say it, but then Jan said it so beautifully and Dom in the story he read, you know, the guy who says, I'm glad I went through some stuff because I'm where I am today because I went through some stuff. I thought, thanks for saying that, guys, because now I can kind of more comfortably say that Paul was saying, I rejoice when I go through a difficulty. Now, he's not saying, give me difficulties, give me difficulties. He's just saying, when I'm facing a difficulty, I don't lie down and and cry and die. He says, I just get up and say, well, let this work something good in me. Don't let it be wasted. And then he began to realise that when he was weak, then he was strong. When he was at the end of his own strength, then what happened was God's strength kicked in. Is that right? So don't need to say too much more. When I am weak, then I am strong. That's 2 Corinthians 12:10. If you want to have a look at it later, Ephesians 6:10, just before you know the armor. It says a final word. So Paul's written to the to the church at Ephesus. He started off by telling them that he wishes they'd have revelation of um, you know their authority in Christ and their inheritance, and you know he's given them all this thing. This is what I pray that you'll have this understanding and revelation in these things. And then he says, a final word. So it's a great book about authority and about all sorts of things. And he finishes, he says, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. In other words, don't rely on your own strength. Be strong in his power. Be strong in his strength. So when we face problems, when we face challenges, um, we actually are more prone to call on him, to depend on him, to draw his strength and not rely on our own. Another passage which I didn't look up, but Paul says, he says, whatever you do, he says um, in the older translation, and that's why I couldn't find it because I didn't have the concordance for the older translation, someone else might be able to help me, but it says, you know, when you speak, speak as the oracles of God. In other words, speak as a mouthpiece of God. When you do this, when you give, you know, give with what he supplies. And so it goes through the whole list of things. He says, whatever you do, do it with the ability that God provides. And then it finishes with this, it says, because then God will be glorified. You see, if I do what I can do, and people say, wow, didn't you do a good job? Well, then who's, you know, who's grabbing the credit? And so it's kind of this much, but I'm grabbing the credit for it. But when he's doing it, and when I do what I can't do, but I'm doing what only he can do through me, I tell you what, I'm going to be quick, aren't I? I mean, it's not like him go through the process, oh, who's going to get the credit for this? But it's just he gets the credit because everyone knows, and you know that he's the one who's doing it. It's not up to you. Do you know what I'm saying? And so Paul said, whatever you do, do it with the ability that God supplies so that, so that Christ may be glorified. Um, that's your homework, to find that passage. And the fourth one, so the first one was presence. The second one was purpose. The third one was, I'm not waiting because if no one can tell me then I'll feel like I've been wasting my time. Presence, purpose, problems. And the fourth one is praise. Praise. Okay, And just very quickly, um, Deuteronomy 8, I won't read this to you so I'm going to just give you this reference and if you're keen enough you can read it. Deuteronomy 8, it really talks about a warning. And it says, um, be careful when you come into the land, You know, when you're, you build your nice houses and your cattle prosper and everything's going well. It says, be careful, make sure that you, you, you deliberately take time to praise the Lord says, praise the Lord for what you got. Because, you know, he said, otherwise you might, you know, when, when all this starts to happen and when things prosper, it says you might, you know, take the credit for it. When you're actually going to be better off if you realise that it's him that has done it. Now, it's worded much, much better if you read it in Deuteronomy 8. But that's the gist of it. Just be careful. Just be careful when things happen. Just be careful when you begin to prosper. And I don't mean like material stuff, although that can be part of it. I just mean when things... When your life is fruitful, when ministry is working well you know, and things like that, then it says just, just be careful to remember always. It's God who gives you your wealth. It's God who gives you what you've got. It's God who brings you through. It's God who's given you your abilities. So, hey, enjoy it. Love it. Use it. Be faithful with it. Celebrate it. But give him the credit. Praise him in it. Thank him for it. Because when you do that, it'll, you'll stay strong and you'll keep going in it. Psalm 107. And um, we don't have time to look at this, but I just want to to look at the whole thing. But it's repeated through this chapter. These words are repeated through this chapter. I'll just show you this. This is my orange uh, highlighter because everywhere now and again through the chapter, it says they, they went around the mountain. So it starts off Psalm 107. Give thanks to the Lord for his good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak it out. Tell others he has redeemed you. That's what praise is, isn't it? Praise is, this is my definition anyway, praise is to declare to God, to others and to your own heart. Declare to God, back to God, to others and to your own heart who God is, what God has done and based on those two things what God will do. So that's it, just speaking it out. Speak, you know you've got to speak to your own heart sometimes? Saying it back to God. You know we can say back to God. You know, this is what you've done. This is what you've promised. I praise you. Thankfulness is the same thing, only we're thanking him for who he is, what he's done, and therefore, based on that, we're thanking him in advance for what he will do. You know, uh, be anxious for nothing, but through through prayer, um, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God you're requesting and you're giving thanks already? Yeah, because that's what you do. When you think about who he is and what he's done, you can thank him in advance for what he hasn't yet done. Isn't that great? And you can do it based <coughs> upon something, not just, well, I better do that, you know, because that'll be like positive thinking. It's actually, no, you expect that, don't you? Like, if I haven't let you down and you've asked me to do 10 things for you, and I'm human, so all you know, all the better. If I've done 10 things that I've actually said I will do, you're feeling pretty confident about the 11th, aren't you? I might let you down then, but that's, you'll be confident that, you know what, I'm expecting that will, will happen because 10 times it's happened, like he said. So the 11th should happen that way. Well, how much more with God when he does what he says and when, he, when we get to know who he is. Anyway, as I'm going through this, it says, Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he's redeemed you from your enemies. For he has gathered the exiles from many lands. And then it says, verse 6, I'm going to just jump down because there's a bit of a pattern cycling through this chapter. Lord, um, they got hungry and thirsty. So, verse 6 Lord help, they cried in their trouble, and He rescued them from their distress. He led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. Verse 8 Let them praise the Lord for His great love, for the wonderful things that He has done for them. Then it goes on, they got themselves into trouble again. Verse 13 Lord help, they cried in their trouble, and He saved them from their distress. He led them from the darkness and the deepest gloom. He snapped their chains. Verse 15, let them praise the Lord for his great love, for the wonderful things that he has done for them. You jump down to verse 19, Lord help, they cried. Verse 21, let them praise him, uh, let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he's done for them. Verse 18, Lord help, they cried of their trouble and he saved them. He calmed the storm to a whisper. Da da da. Verse 31, let them praise the Lord for his great love. See the pattern they're going through? Getting into trouble, crying out, he's helping them. And then it says, Let them praise him for, it was repeated. What was it? Let them praise him for his great love and the wonderful things he's done for them. Gets to verse 32. It says, Let them exalt him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nation. You see, praise is a wonderful thing to do to maintain our strength and to keep us going in the direction that we're going. Dom said he just finished with a song for me. If someone just gives him a hoy. so would one of you guys just go? One of the kids just go out and just say to Dom, "Is he right now to come and do a song? We'll finish with the song, and then we're done." Um, thanks for allowing me to preach. I might have went a little bit over time. Sorry, I'm not sure, but um, anyway, um, don't get out here so often, so you know I get a bit fired up and give you the full barrel load. Um, but hopefully, there's something helpful there for you. Okay, Father, we thank you. Just you're so beautiful to us, Lord. In that last passage, just how you we cry out to you, you hear us, Lord. You come through. We just want to praise you, Lord. We want to thank you for who you are, Lord, for what you've done. We get great strength, Lord, to 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 uh, to persevere by knowing that you're with us, Lord. By um, uh, by the purpose that you reveal to us and lead us in. Lord, by the times that you take us through different problems and challenges us and show, and show us that you are, um, you are faithful in every instance. And Lord, we know that as we acknowledge this and praise you, Lord, then we um, find great strength to continue to endure and to take ground, Lord, for your purposes. So help this word just settle in our heart, Lord, and be relevant to wherever we're at. Lord, today, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Bless you. Thanks very much.